Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. To celebrate the 150th anniversary of BF Goodrich, get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more passenger or SUV tyres. From wherever you're listening, right around the country, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Are you happy? <laughs> uh, oh, to be honest, everyone that I talk to in Victoria, um, it's just a really morbid, you know, sad conversation at the moment. It is, it is so disappointing to see. Um, you know, we saw during the week, we started to... To, to move the curve and flatten the curve and we've had a few days where it went back up and uh, it's just tough on everyone at, at the moment, isn't it? Well, I'm glad you spoke about that, but I was more speaking about getting microphone number one. I don't know how in the bloody hell you do it, but you've managed to steal it back and you're in the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our, our wonderful producer, uh, Joel Brooks, just working uh, wonders there. Uh, Redmond, the That's trout the fastest season anyone's has... ever got the sack. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> The trout season's opened up and we're seeing some absolute stonkers being caught at the moment. Oh, it got me excited. I wish I could travel a little bit further because we're sticking to our regions here in Vic, as we know. Seriously, Pat, massive fish. And we're going to talk a bit about, I guess, your uh, the ultimate fish sizes of each species of fish that we want to catch. And if I wanted to do it now, Alexander Bridge, Gilmore's and the Thornton have got some seriously big trout fish up to 11 pounds, Pat. And I reckon 10 pounds the go-to mark, a little bit of a giveaway there. But is 10 pounds the go-to yeah. mark for these trout? And they're being caught on power bait. And also, Pat, a bit of fly fishing information as well, being caught from the Ilden Pondage. Yeah, so those with uh, Range Rovers, Land Rovers, and uh, Porsche Cayenne. Um, Ray-Bans <laughs> Ban- Ray too. Ray-Bans as well. Uh, there's been reports of Browns and Rainbows in really good numbers, um, and browns in that three to four kilo range, which is exceptional to see. So, um, and some nice Murray got, cod too, Pat, coming out of the pondage as well, over over a meter also, which is also fantastic to see. Which once again, it uh, speaks to that magic meter mark, which got us thinking during the week around what are the magic dream sizes for certain fish and we sort of came up with a bit of a list i can't believe he went this straight away snapper 20 pound i didn't know they got that big 20 pound snapper not not only because you're from south australia and they get that big every day well they used to not anymore because you can't catch them but there was a massive flathead caught during the week uh from the camden camden haven river which was 105 centimeters which was caught on a soft plastic and i reckon 
For that flathead, a metre-long flathead would have to be the go-to uh, size for a flathead. Do you reckon you'd call it a metre, Pat? Happy with that one? Happy with that. Haven't... Um... I've seen a lot of reports of the three-metre flatty, but have never actually seen one. So world record holder, world powerful. I think we go with, yeah. I think we go with uh, if it's a metre uh, crocodile. We'll do that. Flathead snapper twenty pound. Oh, we'll go snapper's twenty pounds. So in the old scale, twenty pound, which is roughly about I think it's nine point eight kilo, roughly. So uh, that's a very good fishing here in Victoria. Like twenty pound mark is people fish their whole lives to catch one of them. I got lucky uh, at tea tree comp a few years ago, Pat, where I managed to get three over ten pounds. Uh, sorry, over twenty pound in uh, in the matter of minutes. Literally within half an hour, we got three of them, and that was pretty cool. And we went and weighed the fish in, and poor old Westernport over the other side managed to have I think three fish bigger than mine, which were all over eleven kilo. So that's a fair bit bigger than my fish, but should be split up the that old comp. It's not around anymore. But yeah, marlin thousand pound black marlin, Patrick. Yeah, and you see very – you don't see many of them now. Uh, the biggest one I reckon I've ever seen was um, watching some of our New Zealand mates chase a few blacks uh, off, the, off the coast in – that. there's a tri-hull um, boat there called Ultimate, and Matt Watson was fishing, and they, I reckon this fish was easily 1,400-plus pounds, biggest thing I've ever seen. It was attacked by a shark. It's one of the most riveting pieces of vision you'll just about ever see. So they ended up losing it. I think they only, they only brought their head on, on board. And the head was bloody two and a half metres long. Mm. Like it was just, it might have even been bigger. Like it was one of the most incredible um, bits of vision I've just about ever seen. But yeah, over a thousand pound, no doubt, that's the magic mark when it comes to Black Marlin. There's some great uh, charter boats up the North Coast, uh, up in Cairnsway, which target obviously big marlin. And if you, want to, if you do want to get one, they, that's the place to go. They have their run of really big fish. They're running baits, Pat, literally two metres long at <laughs> They're massive, and I'm not exaggerating, I mean, it's like big, big baits and big mouth fish. Righto, the uh, iconic fish, Patrick, the barramundi, one metre. I haven't got one of those, but you have, or your dad lost it on you, I think. Well, it's the metre, it's the metre barrel, it's the 100 kilo uh, barrel to metre mull away, but whilst we're on the metre barra, uh, the top end million dollar fish competition is back, Redmond, back for season six. Which is great to uh, see, all considering where we were, well, they weren't really there, but the country was a few a few months ago. Exactly right. Anglers now have seven times the chance to win um, in this competition. Um, so the seven million dollar fish, um, which is great to see, and obviously it's all categorised. So um, there's one hundred tag barra worth ten grand each. There's twenty barra. Um, worth five grand each, um, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of fish out there, um, and we've seen plenty of fish over the years being caught in this competition, which is all around promoting um, fishing for barramundi in the top end, um, which is good to see. So it opens up now at Redmond. So anyone in uh, in Darwin, make sure you get there. Because we're not allowed in there. I don't blame him. <laughs> One metre Murray cod, that's, uh, that's the go-to as well. And then we've also got in our list here, the 100-kilo barrel tuna, which I've been fortunate enough to land a few of them in my time. And a 100-kilo barrel tuna, they, in my opinion, are the hardest fish to catch. So I've caught quite a few of them, and everyone you catch does something different. So it's never the same, Pat. Like, you don't go out there and it does... Like a kingfish, for example, they're, they're, they're awesome to catch, one of my favourite species to catch, and they play hard to get, and they're hard to get, but once you sort of get them up, it's game over. But where... Yeah. These 100-kilo fish, I've caught 
them up to biggest is 152 kilo, and I that and I had a, we had a double hook up that day. We landed that one. This is no exaggeration. It was under 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. We landed that one, and then we got a 108 kilo one from that double hook up, which took us another two hours. So it doesn't matter on the size of them, whether it's 105 kilo, 150 kilo. It depends how they want to fight in their own way, and they will do whatever they want to do because. Like I said, they're they're big, they're strong, they are full of muscle, and they're I believe they're the ultimate fish to catch, the hardest fish to catch, and the most strain on your body. Before we get into your week in fishing during the week, Redmond, it was a somber mood up on the Gold Coast. A forty-year-old man uh, was dragged from the water late Tuesday afternoon after being attacked by a three-meter great white. They believe at uh, a Green Mount Beach uh, in Coolangatta. It's the second fatal shark attack uh, in Queensland. Um, over the last two months. Um, and I tell you what, going down to the beach during the week for a, for a quick swim before um, our game yesterday, it, it's eerie, man. Yeah, it's it's totally different. It's so similar to Western Australia, which when I swim in Victoria, that's the last thing I think about going into the water. We just don't see that many of them. And when we do see like they're mako sharks, they're, they're threshers, they're not great whites. I dive a lot and... I've never, in when you're down there, you see something, oh, was that a shark? It's sort of like a joke. It's more of a joke, like, and you joke, oh, is Bruce going to be here today? I guarantee if you lived on the Gold Coast and that stuff's happening, you're not joking, are you, Pat? You're just not joking about Bruce going to be behind you. No, well, speaking of spearfishing, the, the, um, there was obviously a take Tuesday, the previous one, um, Matthew Tratt, who died um, off Fraser Island, was spearfishing. And if there's ever a place where there's a, a lot of bloody sharks, it, it's Fraser Island, but... Yeah, it is a really eerie feeling up here, and there's, there's so much life. That's the thing that that gets me every time you go out in the water. And we experienced this last year when we went and fished off um, off Cairns. There's just fish everywhere, and it's not to say that there isn't in other parts of the country, but the water is just teeming with life. And when you have the, you know, that sort of um, ecosystem, those big fish will follow. So thoughts um, are with the the 46-year-old man's family because just so incredibly tragic, Redmond. Um, your week in fishing. Yeah, it was a... We're, we're seeing some magnificent weather here, Pat, and we're... Look, not quite what you guys have got, but we're, we're close. We had, I think, a 26-degree day last Sunday, and during the week, we had 20s, 115, a couple of 19s. So the reason I mentioned the water, that weather is because the water temp won't be far behind, and I'm hoping... I didn't want to speak about it today, but we're going to think positive that we can the whole of Victoria can go fishing soon because we are a fishing community that literally, like I said last week, fishing fever, snapper fever. The snapper fever is about to kick off. It's not far away. I've been getting some nice fish offshore. So that water temp, we need that to come up to that 15 degrees onwards. So 16, they say, is the magic number. And once we see that, we're going to have some seriously good snapper fishing. And I'm already getting over 13 and a half degrees down the south end of the bay. I know the top end's a little bit on the quieter side of things, but... There's some seriously good weather coming by the looks of it as well. And it's not it doesn't take much. Where this time last year, we actually didn't have very good weather. Remember we were talking, how crap's the weather? It's mm. cold, it's miserable. Yeah, yeah. Water temperature's not coming up. Where this year is different. And I did a snapper talk during the week for Salt Guide. It went really, really well. And I spoke about the numbers of hatchling that were in the bay in 2017 or 18. And they, they fisheries did the survey on the numbers of small snapper in Port Phillip Bay. And they say between three to five years, just up to six years. Within six years, it's going to be phenomenal. But we should start seeing some seriously good snapper fishing this year. And I just hope, as Victorians, that we can enjoy 
the fishing to come, which I expect it to come. And like I said before, this water temp is coming up uh, really, really fast, like as quick as I've probably seen it in the, the days that I can remember. You mentioned uh, Victoria Fisheries. Um, they had a post during the week, which was just wonderful to see. Uh, Victoria's first Indigenous fishing club has been giving a help and, helping hand by our friends at Big Fisheries. Um, they've provided the Benunga Indigenous Fishing Club with a grant of 15k. So it's wonderful to see and it's been put towards a custom-built tandem trailer to transport equipment to a range of different public events um, that the Benunga Indigenous Fishing Club will be involved with. Um, for those of you wondering what Benunga means, it means Murray Cod in the traditional language of the Yorta, Yorta people. So um, some great work there by Vic Fisheries. Um, your weekend, Redmond? Well, I didn't, actually get, species? I didn't actually get to speak about my week in fishing because I carried on about water temperature. I'm just going to mention the squid, Patrick. I sent you some photos during the week of some wonderful squid. And we are going to do, I'll call it next week, we're going to do a bit of a in depth on how to target these squid with the eggs, what to look for, what you need. That's going to be in the start of next week's show. So make sure you tune in there and I'll give you all the info, the areas where to be so you guys can head out and get some seriously big squid because we managed to get there. They weren't red hot, so we'll we'll get in our bag limit, but they haven't dropped their eggs. So they're not in a specific spot at the minute. It was taking us quite time to get our bag, but 55 plus centimeter tubes at times, Pat. Like there, that's a big squid. So we've got plenty of them. The salmon have made their way in the bay as well around Queenscliff. We've got some salmon and also over at Blair Gowrie. Um, I can only speak local because that's all I can fish at the moment. And we've got some snapper <laughs> snapper outside the heads. I haven't chased the gummy for a while, which I am due to do, as the missus said, because I uh, we've ate, eaten all the flake. But like temperature, water's warming up very, very quickly, and it's starting to shape up to be a really, really good season. So hope everyone stays safe and get on the water as soon as Mr. Andrews lets us. Up next, The Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. And don't forget to download our new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips, and recipes. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. It's time for The Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook or Instagram page, or better yet, log on and download our app. It's free in the App Store, and you can have a chat to Aaron and I, as well as look up recipes, plenty of fishing tips and tricks, and Red's reviews. Redmond, the first one for you is from Travis. Yep. Uh, what size squid is best eating? Go in the small ones, Pat. Now, the reason for it, I don't think it actually changes. I've eaten big squid too, and, but the problem with them is they're harder to cook. So it's actually about the cooking side of it. You can't get them as soft and tender. Where those little calamari, you put them on the fry pan for 30 seconds and flick it around a couple of times, they pretty much come out soft every single time. I, I quite often, a little cheat way, if you're being lazy, I buy a few of them just when I have people over so I don't have to make too much of a mess, is, you know, the uh, in Woolworths, you just... The underneath the spices rack, they've got a packet of it's it's a green packet. I don't know the brand of it. I always forget the brand of it, but you can't miss it. It says salt and cal uh, says salt and pepper calamari flour pre mixed, and for some reason it always tastes better than the one that I make at home. So I recommend finding that. It's really <laughs> nice. It's really good to use. And 
just chuck that on with a bit of oil in the pan and just drop your squid in, like I said, 30 seconds and it works a treat. And like if, if the missus is giving me credit, then you know it's actually tasting pretty good. And those big ones, you can use them to eat. There's nothing wrong with using those big squid to eat. But for chasing snapper in the bay and offshore, those big juicy calamari rings, I think if you want to get a snapper, they do make those different as well, Pat. I just think the, the big round big round tubes, big pieces, nice and thin, rather than using the small ones and having them fat and not as tall. So that there is definitely a good point as well if you are going to be chasing some snapper. Next question, Pat, is from Graham. I'm looking at purchasing a new trailer at the moment. What are your thoughts on gal versus aluminium? Patrick? Well, when people talk about galvanised trailers, basically it's hot. It's a hot-dipped galvanised finish. But I think the the big change over the last few years has been building them from aluminium. And I'm a big fan of aluminium simply because it reduces the overall weight of the trailer. And for me, with the boat I've got, and I've got two, two boats. I've got a Stadycraft 1550, so it's smaller, and that's a hot-dipped um, galvanised trailer. And I use that simply because it, it's cheaper versus the... 750 North Bank that's just about or being built at the moment, weight was a real concern. Um, and I think early days people were a bit concerned around aluminium. Is it as strong? Um, there's been, you know, it's less of an issue now because they've been in the market for, for a long period of time. But early on it's like, oh, we haven't seen these before. Are there going to be issues when it comes to longevity and these sorts of things? Um, the other reason I think aluminium is brilliant is because it's far or just doesn't corrode, far less uh, prone to corrosion um, and therefore last longer. So um, it's all, it all always comes back to budget. If you've got a good budget, I would go aluminium, but there's certainly reasons to go galvanised trailers. Also, they, aluminium does resist rust and corrosion better than gal as well, Pat, which is a massive thing too. So that going into salt water quite a bit, which for myself, which is basically every day, that's a factor for me. But price as well. It comes down to your budget too because they can be very pricey, aluminium trailers as well. Like I know... No doubt. Like, yeah. so, I think, yeah, so trailers are up to 20 grand at times. Like you're, like looking at a trailer for your bigger boat, you're gonna, are you only going two wheels on it or three? No, nah, just dual wheels. Just, so yeah, just dual. Yeah. yeah, so... Yeah. And you, bigger the boat you get, the more expensive obviously it's going to be. And you're like, for those three-wheel trailers, you're looking at over 20 grand at times, Pat. We're down to a little six-metre one with me. You're looking at over 10 grand, like 12 grand. So they are yeah. a pricey they are a pricey product to, uh, to, to purchase. Yeah. What they do do is you have a good trailer, you're far more inclined to actually use your boat, tow it, trailer it to different places. Yeah. Versus having a crap trailer and then never being inclined to want to take it anywhere other than the five minutes away local boat ramp. And it's just funny you say just... that. Honestly, do you know how many people don't travel due to their trailer? Like, yeah. on, honest to God, there is so many people that that say, I'm not, oh, nah, nah, my trailer's no, nah, my trailer's no good. I'm not doing that. And that's reduced, that restricts your, your fishing. So, yes, they can be pricey, but I think it is an investment well worth purchasing. Aaron, next question is from Timothy. When it comes to burly buckets, do you prefer steel burly buckets or plastic? I'm looking for a new one, but I don't want to spend too much. You are, you've got two purposes for them. 
Your lead burly cages, your steel ones, that's the only one I would buy ever. Those little plastic ones, which are pretty ordinary at times, they're quite cheap. The only thing I would probably use them for is maybe putting breading to catch garfish with the sock that it comes with. That's pretty much yep. it. Those big, <laughs> those steel ones, uh, steel lead cages, we'll call them, and we talk about them on the show all the time for whiting, whatever it is. You could, you comes with a, a, a mesh, a gutter, a gutter mesh that sits actually in it, and it can control the flow of burley that's coming out of it anyway. So for 40 bucks or 60 bucks, depending on the size, the smaller ones are roughly 40 give or take. I just use the hook'em ones. And the $60 ones are the tall ones. doesn't make a difference. You have small or big. The only thing that I would recommend to do is adding weight. The reason for this is tidal waters, for example, like myself that I fish, you need it to hold bottom. You, need, you don't want it to be... Yes, they come lead-weighted already, but if you get a nice strong tide that I had during the week, beautiful tides... Your cages will end up floating in the top of the water because they're not that quite, not quite heavy enough. So what I do is I've actually managed to find two lead circles, and I've just like quite heavy, and I just cable tied them to the bottom of it. You can put a a, uh, a lead weight, so for example a dive weight, which are about a kilo and a half each. You can drop that in the bottom of it as well. But the problem is when you're mashing your pillies up, it gets all over it and stinks in the end. So if you can keep it on the outside, that's the way I'd be going. You see plenty of boats with externally mounted burly buckets i'm assuming you're not a subscriber to mounting the burly bucket on the back of your boat they are unless good you're, unless you're chasing sharks yeah that's all i was gonna say the only thing they're good for is sharks uh yeah you won't be drilling any holes in the back of my boat to put that on i'll give you the tip pat it's not it's not definitely not the first thing i'll be putting on i probably won't put it on for sharks i actually just use a good point is just a scale bag so a whiting scale bag is fantastic to use you could chuck that out the side of the boat. And you and I have caught a couple of big sharks together and just the scale bag over the side with a nice burly log that you know where it's been made from. That's a key. You don't want to go buying rubbish from the servo that you don't know what it is. Some servos locally closer to fishmongers and that buy the logs off them and they, well, they store them there. They, they're great, but don't buy crappy ones. It's, it just doesn't increase your chances in catching a fish. Uh, last question is from Sean. Hi, boys. Uh, I've just recently purchased a boat and the clears on it are shot to pieces. Is there anything I can do to restore them or do they need replacing? Once they go... That's some bad news. Yeah. i got, <laughs> got some bad news for you, Sean. Unfortunately, clears are one of those things, unless you treat them well, uh, you, you need to replace them because once they scratch, it's actually indentations in that actual plastic itself. So there's nothing you can do. You can't buff them out. It's not like <laughs> I was just about to say that. There's no buff going to get yeah. that out. Yeah, it's not a it's not a glass or anything. And even a lot of a lot of the windshields that um, you know that runabout boats use are often perspex, and they themselves can scratch. And, and once they're scratched, you can't you can't fix it. It's not like dealing with glass, is it? No, you're spot on, and you clears it. I'm going into the six meter north bank, and I'm I'm a bit worried. I'll be honest with you. I went the six meter north bank. I'm a bit worried about the clears. So, because I've had a hard top for so long, the the window side of it. If but the problem is, if you don't look after your hard top's window, your glass by using Rainex and keeping it clean. So after I travel anywhere, so if I'm going to Portland tomorrow, which I'm well and truly not, when I get there, I get the fly, <laughs> I get the flies off the windscreen for the next day just because I don't want to be sitting there sending someone around the front trying to go, no, no, I get it. And then once you touch the windscreen when you're on the water, in the inside or out, you're not going to ever fix it for that day unless you have Windex or something to get that glass. Once you smudge it, if you're in a car and you hit, you, you put your hand on the window, it stuffs your windscreen up in seconds. So don't, 
go using your hands and that on glass. Use Rain-X and Windex before you go out. And with the clears, yeah, like it's a, it's it's they they're good for a while, but when they do scratch, like you said, if you don't look after them properly, they're going to be screwed, and you're basically going to catch a hell of a lot less fish if you can't see. <laughs> That is the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures Facebook or Instagram page as well as our Real Adventures app that you can download at the App Store. Uh, it is time for our dream boating destinations, Redmond, and I'm not sure you're necessarily going to be towing your boat this far north. We're talking about Swiss Island this morning, which is an island... Uh, in the Gulf of Carpentaria in Queensland, and it is very, very remote. It reminds me a lot of Groot Island, um, but in terms of an isolated fishing destination where you aren't going to see too many people, this is just about as good as it gets, Aaron. I said to you, you sort of said at the start of this, you're like, oh, this place, and I said, you sort of like, oh, no, it's pretty isolated. I'm like, that's the best thing I've heard all day. I'd love to go isolated place. It'd be unreal to fish there. So I said, we've got to do this one. This is a place that now I'd never heard of it before until you mentioned. And some of the fish they catch here, Pat, sweet lip, which is one of the tastiest fish going around. You've got finger, which are, are also you've got golden trevally, nanagai, all sorts of parrot fish. And in winter, obviously with the colder water that comes through, you've got the pelagic fish and you're going to see Spanish mackerel. You're going to have grey mackerel, giant trevally, queen fish, basically everything. Of course, the cobia, Pat, the, uh, I caught a monster one of those. Uh, in cans last year, which was nice to catch. Snuck a oh, sneaky head, jig down head. just before the show finished. Head long on yeah. <laughs> It was a good fish. But this place, like you said, I wouldn't be towing a boat. The Gulf waters out that way, are uh, they can get dangerous very quickly. It can be literally glass calm, no wind, and then it can be gale force within minutes. And you're talking 25 plus knots. So I would recommend attending a charter boat over there. Uh, it'd be one of the... Yeah, it'd be definitely the what I would be doing if I was heading there. Um, and you've got Swears Fishing Adventures, which is a fantastic... I've done a bit of research on this, and they work really well out of that area. So Swears Fishing Adventures, if you are going to head to Swears Island. It's important to uh, note also during this year with COVID-19, uh, Swears Island has reopened, but it's in a very limited capacity, and they're only taking bookings from Queensland um, residents and... Um, regional um, Queensland residents. So if you're from interstate, it's not an option, unfortunately, but that is the world we live in at the moment. Everyone hates us. Been... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. Uh, that's our dream boating destination for this morning. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. Get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more BF Goodridge passenger or SUV tiles. Get in before September 30. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for our Real Adventures Rewind. All aboard for Dometic. Spend more time enjoying your adventure and less time worried about your drinks with the Dometic CFX3. And today's guest is former Australian cricketer, Nathan Reardon. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Nathan, on uh, Real Adventures, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Not only do I like cricket, Pat, but I also love my fishing. So he pretty much hits the hits the boxes in each 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 little segment there he does Nate not many people that we've had on uh, have actually turned fishing uh, their passion into an occupation which is exactly what you've done you're the owner and CEO of Outside Edge Adventures can you talk us through what that is yeah I guess I sort of 
wanted to break the rules a little bit and try and make a living out of, out of fishing, I, I guess. The ideas sort of come from, I played cricket for so long, 10, 12 years of cricket, and obviously that was something that I loved, and I, I didn't really want to go into the traditional 9 to 5 job, and actually I probably wouldn't even have been able to do 9 to 10, so... Um, <laughs> And, and obviously my other love is fishing. So, yeah, we've, we've started out footage adventures and we're basically a, a travel agent for um, some fishing packages all over well, all over Australia. And uh, we're starting to branch out into the South Pacific now into Papua New Guinea and Tonga. And, um, yeah, we're looking at doing some stuff in New Zealand as well. So it's, yeah, it's going well. It's, it's, it's taking time to sort of build it, but I think any business does so. Nath, as someone that's done what you said, built your uh, a living out of something that we you love. That's what that's what I've done myself. Now, having the love and the passion for it to keep it is extremely hard sometimes. How do you go balancing your passion with your with your work? Yeah, I think that's the. I'm I'm going on a lot of my fishing trips at the moment. So and. The, and the challenging thing is, I've got to sometimes pull it back and go, "Hang on a minute, I'm I'm not a fisherman. This is this is my job, and I've I've got to allow other people to fish." So um, that, that's the that's the hard bit. Um, like I'm trying to do a few of my own personal trips just to just to get my fishing fix in. But yeah, when I go away with clients, it's sort of it's hard for me to be on the boat and throwing lures as much as they are because at the end of the day, they're the ones paying the paying the dollars to be there. So yeah, it, it is challenging. But um, I mean. I'm trying not to think of it as a job, um, and I tried not to do that through my whole um, career as cr- with cricket as well. It, it does, as, as you know, it does get challenging um, in, in sport. Like people don't get it, but it is a job, and um, it does. It's like any job, nine to five job. It sort of it drags at times, but uh, we are we sort of got to look at ourselves every now and then and go, well, we we do have a pretty good job. So, when it comes to choosing locations around the world, do you find that people keep coming back to Australia? The diversity that we have as a nation with our fishing is quite extraordinary from from trout down south to you know giant marlin we know how good sort of the nt the top of wa and obviously queensland when you're where you're from is like but the, do you think people really understand just how great the fishing is in australia and you don't have to go to all parts of the world to get the unique fishing experience yeah, oh, absolutely. We, we're we're blessed here with our fishery. I mean, I, I just talk in terms of the barramundi. We we've got um, little places up the coast of Queensland that you guys probably wouldn't even have heard of that are very good barra fisheries. I mean, you'd speak to people down south and talk about catching barramundi, and they'll probably tell you, oh, look, you've got to go to Darwin or or else you can't catch one. So there is, yeah, there's plenty of opportunities, and like you said, that you get down you get down south and the snapper and the tuna and you guys, you guys have got a passion of chasing sharks down there, so there's there's, there's plenty on offer. Um, and I guess I'm just trying to concentrate on what I got at the moment, and then yeah, I'm certainly looking to branch out to all parts of all parts of Australia. And the, I think the more business we can keep in this country, then then the better. Nathan, I've got a pretty tough question here because it looks like you've been all over the joint. Our segment <laughs> yeah, is right. follow. Our segment is follow the sun. We go somewhere, it can be absolutely anywhere, you name it, and we want you to talk about it and the information. It's basically your favourite fishing location, let's put it that way. Where are we going? Take me somewhere. Can I have two? Can I have one in Australia and one He's pushing his luck. <laughs> Go for it. I'm, I'm Go gonna, for I'm it. Gonna say, I'm going to say my favourite fish, fishing destination that I've ever been to is Papua New Guinea um, because uh, growing up fishing, I've always wanted to catch a black bass and, and so that was on my fishing bucket list and I got the opportunity to do that a couple of years ago and I was a little bit worried about the whole, everyone talks about, oh, PNG's so dangerous, but 
I was, yeah, I was welcomed uh, the whole time I was there. And one thing that I'm about in my business is, yes, we want to go fishing, but I want to try and create an experience around that. And Papua New Guinea certainly was that. I mean, all the cultural experiences were good. And I did get the chance to catch that black bass and a spot-tailed bass. And I'm certainly looking at every opportunity to get back there as soon as I can. So, and then, and then if I do go to the second one, I'll probably, I'll probably talk about my hometown of Gladstone, which is about 500, 550 kilometres north of Brisbane. And we, we've got a huge diversity of species there. We sort of we're at the southern end of the Great Barrier Reef, so you can get out to the reefs and catch all those reef species. And then you get up the creeks and there's barra, mangrove, jack, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I think any time you're out on the Barrier Reef, it's, it's pretty hard to beat. When it comes to fishing Great Barrier Reef, do you prefer flicking and casting lures or are you more of a bottom basher? Aaron prefers his bait, but I, I have a tendency towards casting. What uh, what takes your fancy, Nath? Well, I'm with Aaron. I'm a old school bait fisherman from way back, but um, I am slowly getting into the I am slowly getting into the casting of lures. And look, I, I really enjoy. Uh, we do a package up in the Coral Sea, but I really enjoy throwing poppers for GTs. And once you've caught one or two of them, I enjoy it. Then I've had enough. But um, so I enjoy that. But in in terms of in terms of being able to catch a variety of species and actually. People who aren't that experienced in fishing, if you've got bait on the barrier reef, you're generally getting a bite most times just to sort of hit the bottom. So you're getting people bending their rod and you're getting people having a good time and enjoying fishing. So I guess to answer your question, probably bait, but with good answer. soft plastics here and there. <laughs> Terrific answer, Pat. What do you reckon? I like it. <laughs> Our special guest today on Real Adventures is Nathan Ridden. He is the owner and CEO of Outside Edge Adventures. He's also a cricketer, and one thing that I've found with uh, with cricketers, Redmond, is. Uh, they do a lot of fishing. Nath, you're not, uh, you're not alone. Our good mate and good mate of our show, Cameron White, loves his fishing. And there's plenty of Australian cricketers and cricketers right around the nation that do. Do you guys not train that hard? Or what's, what's the schedule <laughs> like when it comes to playing bloody cricket? Cam's out state? there right now too. He just messaged me before. <laughs> mate, I'll tell you what, you, you, go, you go and spend six hours in the bloody dirt fielding and you'll want to go fishing as well. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, I've got a tougher question. Especially up in Queensland. Too hot, so we... Before I... <laughs> Before I ask him a tough question, you mentioned the bass. Now, what is your ultimate fish to chase? If you were, if I was to say, your last fish on earth tomorrow? Uh, dog tooth tuna. Oh, that's a good call. I'll, yeah, I've, that's that's my next bucket list. Um, and I, I'm, I'm looking at going over in November. Um, Fenawatu? To do that over, over in Papua, no, Papua New Guinea. You're going over there? Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go over and do an um, exploratory trip over there and hit all the volcanoes and... Fish the big craters off um, off the mothership, so that'd be pretty cool. Um, Maybe don't I, hit the volcanoes. I had, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a couple of I had a couple of cracks with the big tuna up in the Coral Sea, and oh, I don't know what it is about them, but they they're beating me at the moment. they I've lost a lot of jigs to them, and then I finally nearly got one to the boat, and it bloody pulled the hooks, and I think. God, I'm never going to get one of these things, but uh, I'm not giving up. That's what um, that's that's the thing that I want at the moment, and I dare say that. That's going to be um, our main goal when we're over in PNG in November. I did uh, Venuatu a few years back, and uh, we had same issue. I've never landed a dog tooth, and I had the same dramas. I just couldn't get it in. Just couldn't get any of them in. We hooked a lot of fish, but they're just big and powerful, aren't they? Oh yeah, I had no, I couldn't comprehend it really. Like the the guide, yeah. um, the guide that we had was, he was telling me how powerful they are. I was thinking, oh god, you full of shit really but no and then i actually and it actually happened i'm like oh god it's oh, right. spot on <laughs> now i've got my last question for you 
It's 24 degrees. Actually, we've got 26, Pat. 26 degrees outside. There is zero wind, sun in the sky. He's in the field. Are you, playing, you are you playing 2020 for Australia or the Hurricanes, or are you out fishing? 26 degrees. A bit cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you know what? That's, that's so true. <laughs> He's got me there, because that's, that's all we get here. Uh, yeah. oh, we'll make it 32, oh. then. <laughs> If you asked me if you asked me that question five years ago, I'd probably say playing cricket. But now, now fishy guy. Um, yeah, I, look, I was fortunate with my career. I had a had a good time playing cricket for Queensland and, and various big bash franchises. And look, hopefully, I've still got a bit of big bash cricket left. But if it's blue sky and there's no wind, and look, I'll give you 26 degrees. I'd, I'd prefer 30. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I reckon I'm I reckon I'm getting in my boat and I'm heading out to the Great Barrier Reef and. Spending two days out there. Got the swag. Got the swags on top of the boat, and we, we roll them out in an island somewhere out in the reefs. Nate, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. If anyone is looking for any uh, advice when it comes to Outside Edge Adventures, head to www.outsideedgeadventures.com.au. They'll cater for your, all your fishing needs. The adventure is, is certainly... Check out his social media too. Some ripping photos on Instagram there, Paddy. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Nate, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Thank you very much, guys, and yeah, good luck with all your fishing adventures as well. That was the Real Adventures Rewind for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy, and now it is time for Red's Review. For Auto One, want to speak to someone as passionate about cars as you are? Auto One is the one. And today's review, we are heading to one of my favourite things to have on a boat for whatever species you are taking, especially taking home, and that's your Mad Fish Extreme Gear Catch Bags. These catch bags are amazing. There's a fair few on the range, and... These are by far the best that I've found, and I use them every single day, like I said before. The team have engineered a bag with increased thermal efficiency, so it's going to hold ice for a long period of time. Big bung holes for better drainage, which is nearly a must for me because different styles of fish, scales and slime and whatnot. The handles are amazing because they are fitted and the ends of the bags and the middle, but if you've got a big fish in there or a heap of snapper, you and your mate can carry that bag quite easily. It's got reinforced webbing, and they've made them leak and strain resistance. And one thing that I like about these bags is when carried, they are they don't bend, and they're really, really stable. So they're flat-bottomed, and they're really, really stable on the ground. So if you're in the boat, they're not going to fall over and whatnot when you throw them widening in the bags. So or, or snapper or gummies or whatever you're putting in there. There's a massive range of bags that you can get. You've got also clothes they have. They've got duffel bags. They've got uh, tackle backpacks, which are extremely convenient. But what we're talking about today is the catch bags. Starting from your small right through to your medium and your large. Look, they are, I'll be honest, they are a little bit pricey, but they are worth every single dollar. Your small catch bag, which is around that $175 mark, perfect for whiting or putting drinks in and whatnot and your smaller species of fish. Then your medium ones, your medium's a pretty good sized bag for a few snapper. You might even get a small gummy in and also whiting. But for me, I, I'm going to go the large. The large is probably the all-round bag that I use to for the fish that I target and catch. Now, snapper, I'll, I'll get pretty much my bag limit of three nice snapper. I could, I could easily get six snapper in it as well. It holds plenty of them, which are fairly sized fish around that four to six kilo mark on average. You've also got gummies. I can get I can get 20 plus kilo gummies in. Yes, I have to bend them a little bit, but they get in there no worries with, with ice. The ice holds really well, like I said earlier. I've had them last in the front. And I've left it in the back of the car. I left baiting there for three days and gone, oh crap, that's going to be melted. Sure enough, the ice has saved me and the, the, the bags made it still stay frozen. So they are well worth getting. The large bags are around that 315 
$1,500. And of course, you've got your Mad Fish Bag in the extra large range. Uh, they're around, that's what I use for your barrel bluefin. So those big extra large bags, 375 bucks, but you want to look after your catch. And for me, looking after your catch is pretty important because we love eating our fish and this does make the difference. Make sure you search them in Google, Mad Fish Extreme Gear, find them out, check them out because they have a massive range and I'm sure there's going to be there something that suits you. That was Red's review for Auto One. You want to speak to someone as passionate about cars as you are? Auto One is the one. We'll see you after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's Tip Ribbon. Patrick, we're catching some magnificent, huge, awesome calamari at the moment out of the port, sound south of Port Phillip Bay. Uh, and for those that are allowed to fish in the stage three restrictions on my side, uh, and hopefully for the guys in restrictions soon enough. So listen up. Next week's show is going to be massive. We're going to talk all about big calamari, how to catch them, when to catch them, and basically watercolour, tides, you name it, we're going to cover it. But today's tip is about getting those bigger ones rather than the slightly smaller ones, which are still kilo and a half squid, but getting those thumpers up to the four kilo mark. And the trick to getting those real big ones consistently is known as a baited jig. So what it is, it's a steel spike which has prongs on the end of it. So you're actually going to feed a bait on that prong itself. And what that's going to do is actually act as a squid jig as such. Now you can use these two different methods. You can use it without a prong and use it as a, a, as a dummy bait as you call it and have the squid actually come up and try and eat that. And you could drop a jig next to it and you'll pick off your squid as, as they come up to that dummy jig. But sometimes it's hard to see and do that. So I actually like to run a prong in it. Uh, the only good thing about the dummy is it stays in the water for such a period of time that if you and a mate are out, you can sort of keep the squid there where when you use the, the, the actual prong itself, when you catch the squid, it comes out of the water and you take that squid, you take the prong with the squid out of the water and those squid might drift away from you, especially at the moment when they're just starting to f- drop their eggs, when they're not in a specific spot yet. So two tips here. Try and use a dummy one as well as a prong one. So I used both. I use a dummy and a prong jig and a normal jig. Number tip number two, this is snap swivel. So actually, when you I, near the anal fin there, I put the spike through that and I try and get it to come out of a Tommy Ruff or a Whiting Silver Whiting's mouth. And then I actually with the snap swivel, I snap swivel the lips of the fish shut basically, but through the prong. So it goes through one side of the lip, through the end of the prong, and through the other side of the lip, and then I shut it. Now what this does is it stops your baited jig from sliding up and down that prong, so it fixes it. And not only that. You do get wrasse and the leather jacket and the likes destroying your actual bait. So when they come up and they hit your bait, if you don't have it tied, technically tied, to the actual uh, line or prong or snap swivel itself, they can just rip it off. So it actually holds it in position. It doesn't allow the fish to sit on the spikes and push against it where you have less uh, hooks as such available to hook that squid. So that there is Red's tip. But like I said, next week is going to be a huge show, all things calamari, Pat, and I'll make sure I get that prepared for us. Nice work. It's time for the flying gaff. Well, this week, in Novak Djokovic's case, it's the flying tennis ball. Now, I know you love your punting, Redmond. You like a little flutter here and there. Um, And for those interested in tennis, he was going into this tournament basically as the undisputed. You could basically hand him the trophy before the, the competition had even started because both Nadal and Federer weren't playing 
in this tournament because of COVID-19 and the implications and what we've seen over in the States with there being 60, 70,000 cases a day. So no one was playing, apart from my man Dominic Team, who I think is a red-hot chance to win it all. Um, no, he's not a name. No. He's a big name. Um, anyway, Novak's cracked it. He's, he's lost a point. He's grabbed the ball, and he's knocked the crap out of one of the Lions people. And we've all wanted to, to knock Lions people out from time to time because of some shocking decisions being made, especially now that we can see Hawkeye and the reviews. But you don't knock him out with a tennis ball if you're playing, Aaron. And that's what the Joker did. He's cost himself $4 million, which is the prize money for the US Open. He's cost himself another Grand Slam, and he's hunting Nadal and Federer when it comes to sort of uh, GOAT status. Federer obviously leading with 20 majors at the moment. Uh, so the great man, the Joker, won't be laughing this week, Redman, after being outed of the US Open. In defence, that chill that got hit with the tennis ball. She looked like she got shot from a rifle how she carried on. That was pathetic on her defence. You know what else is... You know what else is... It was. I'm with you. It was shocking. <laughs> My dad used to bloody bowl cricket balls at me when I was two years old harder than it hit her. <laughs> it barely touched her. I thought her. you were going to... I thought you were going to say, my dad used to hit me with tennis balls <laughs> far harder Do you know do what else is crap to? Cricket balls are going 140 kilometres per hour in in Australian cricket, state cricket. Yep. Tennis balls are going 100, 240 plus at times with Kyrgios when he gets onto one. But yet AFL can't see a ball when it crosses a line going half the speed. Explain that. You're not happy. You're, you're gaff. You're not happy with the... Uh adjudication of the arc. I just don't get it. Like, the ball is going 50 times slower and the cameras know where the ball's going in between this area, but yet they're using 1920 GoPros. <laughs> 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 is that a fair call? Seriously, they can't even tell if a ball's over a line. It's blurry 80% of the time. That's your call, not mine, because I wouldn't have a job by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.